CM Punk, AW Collision, Forbidden Door, Logan Paul, Money in the Bank, Bloodline, Civil War. A lot going on, Kevin. So, how are you doing, pal? I'm great, pal. And I want to say this before we get started. I remembered. Look at this. Uh, we actually received eight five-star reviews on Spotify. So, thank you all to everyone who went and did that. Uh, can we get to ten? Can we get two more? Just two more five-star reviews on Spotify? Uh... The Spotify numbers are going crazy for the last couple of weeks. Some real traction growing there. Um, so I, I'd love to see that. Uh, thank you all for your support. We can't do it without you. Yeah, I said this in the YouTube community post. Even if, you know, you leave one person, you go over, it takes 30 seconds, you leave a five-star review. You might think that's nothing. It does quite a lot. So thanks everyone who's done so far. And anyone listening who has Spotify or can just go across there or Apple Podcasts or whatever. Leave a rating, does a show the world of good. But Kevin, I've got to ask you. Let's just let's just cut right to the chase. We're, we're the only wrestling show you need to listen to. So I'm going to ask you this, pal. Uh oh. CM Punk, AW Collision. What were your ruthless, brutally honest thoughts on episode number one? Oh, pal. I mean, overall, so CM Punk he came out, he cut a promo like we thought that he would, um, and so I, I wanted to bash this promo when I first heard it. I wanted to. But then I thought about it. It's like, CM Punk's a real OG. Like, CM Punk's, like, real. Like, th there's nobody on on the AEW side of things that's going to come out with a microphone and look at the hard camera in front of 20,000 people in an arena, in front of millions watching at home, and call another wrestler oh. soft. Not not millions, but yeah. Yeah, gone. yeah. no one else is going to do that. Not only CM Punk. Not only CM Punk, but he's one of the, the few of uh, the dying breed. He, he's not like the wrestlers that are out nowadays. He's just, he's built different. Um, he does he does things his own way. He says things his own way. Um, and I, I thought that opening promo was fantastic. Um, now, I want to say this. If it doesn't lead to the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega eventually having some sort of storyline with CM Punk, the, the mention of them is interesting at that point. Like, you're just doing it just to take shots. Because his whole thing is like, oh, I'm professional. I, I tried to talk to them, and they said, oh, talk to my lawyers. So what's no different than what you're doing versus what they're doing if you're just going on live TV, taking shots at them for no reason? You know what I mean? You're not that much more professional than them, pal. But if, if that is part of an angle at some point, then I'm all for it. But yeah, that, that's enough of me. What did you think? This is your GOAT, pal. This is your favorite wrestler. This is the guy that you idolized. This is the man that's responsible for the way that you've turned out to be now as an adult. CM Punk was everything for you as a, as a young JTE. How did yeah. you feel seeing Philip Jack Brooks in the middle of that ring in front of hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of people on TV and thousands in attendance calling out Matt and Nick Jackson and Kenny Omega? That question was longer than your actual answer <laughs> and your opinion on the promo. <laughs> That being said, no, Kevin, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. Um, I like the point you make with CM Punk there, that he does walk to his own drum, and when he comes out with a live microphone in front of a whole arena, there's something about Punk. I think I, I discorded you this while it was happening, but Punk, from a sheer promo perspective, from like a watching live, what's he going to say? Oh, my God, he's the best in wrestling. Yes. No, no one has that feeling of, oh, he could go anywhere with this. He could say something really like, oh my God. Because as we've discussed, a lot of people in AEW especially try and be punk on the mic. They try and take digs at WWE. They try and make super personal, breaking the fourth wall shots. A lot of guys can do that, but it's not CM Punk. It's not Phil Brooks. The way CM Punk does it, he, he, he's just, he's the godfather of this. So when you're watching him cut a promo... Yeah, you're really watching, okay, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? Oh, he said counterfeit bucks. Oh, he had the line about, I love the line about the dog collar match with MJF. And he's holding the world title belt, which is in the bag. It's clearly the world title belt. And he's like, I don't, I got this title, not because I had, had a good dog, dog collar match, because I won the dog collar match. Okay? Like, it was the delivery. The crowd was really into it. He thanked the crowd a lot for the first half of the promo. He's really grateful for everyone who supports him. It's funny when he called out the signs, Kevin. He's like, that one says Pepsi, Phil. That one says CM Punk. That one's negative, but I'm going to say I like it anyway. Like, 
that was good. Um, and then obviously the big thing that got all the traction was the counterfeit box line, because obviously any mention to the elite, any mention to brawl out is what gets the traction. Punk made a couple of slight, not like personal digs. He didn't come out and say, Ace Steel was in the locker room and Kenny Omega did this and the chair was thrown at this angle. He didn't go into specifics, thankfully. That could that would have been a disaster and a train wreck because apparently this was a live mic. The reports were that this was an unscripted, just give CM Punk the mic for 10 minutes in Chicago, open collision promo, which has all kinds of risks to it. But Phil was fairly professional here. He's not too disgruntled. Kevin just had eight months off, so he's in a good headspace for now. Give it a little bit. Uh, and yeah, no, I thought good promo, entertaining seven minutes. It seems like the direction, Kevin, from what I've gathered watching that, is they're going to do Punk and MJF again in the next couple of months. They're going to unify those titles for the world titles, which is going to be a big match. Punk and MJF, that's the clear one versus two in AEW. Because Kevin got me thinking, and feel free to answer this in a moment, Punk's obviously AEW's top guy. When you're watching that promo, no one else in AEW can make you feel or make you emote to a promo the way Punk did in that promo. Who's number two? MJF. Exactly. I, we'll, I'll throw to your thoughts on Dynamite and just generally everything AEW in a moment. But obviously Punk's up here and then there's the rest. And I guess MJF is the, the creme de la creme of the rest. And then there's just a bunch of toys in Tony Khan's toy boxes we'll talk about. So yeah, Kevin, that's my thoughts. That's my honest, ruthless assessment. There you go. Lovely. Thank you for that, pal. All right, so now let's uh, let's talk about the match just for a moment. Um, how did you think CM Punk looked? I think uh, the six-man tag was a good way to go to protect him from himself. Um, obviously, they don't want him to get injured again. Uh, I didn't think it was anything to write home about. Um, and overall, just the direction of Collision for that first episode just kind of felt like, here you go. This is like a... Well, what was it when during the pandemic they were running like special dynamites? They had like Winner's Home or something. It was just like, oh, oh yeah, this is yeah. a special um, dynamite. Yeah. That that was like yeah. the, what I the the feeling that I got from it. Yeah, like themed dynamites. Yeah. No, uh, that that's a great that's a great call. I like the feel of it. That's what I will say. I, I like the presentation way more than dynamite. Yeah. I don't know something, something about dynamite. It's grown stale. Probably yes. it's been four years of basically the same format. Nothing's really changed. It just is what it is at this stage. This felt fresh. All the bright, the red color scheme, the bright yellow bit of black in there it felt very sort of like wcw-esque i did, did like that it had a, a feel to it the red ropes the, the presentation i did like now granted maybe i'll get sick of it within a month maybe in three months i'll be like couldn't care less who knows but for the the premiere the pilot episode i liked it we'll see where that goes but yeah kevin i i don't know i, I probably liked it a bit more than you did i thought i enjoyed it i thought it was good granted well, I now watch every week, every second. Yeah. Uh, I'll definitely I'll definitely catch highlights and what I need to see. I don't know if I watch the whole two-hour show every week. I didn't love it that much, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a fine show. Like, if I had to give it, like, a, a scale of 1 to 10, like, I'd say, like, a 6. Like, it was good. Yeah. You know, like, 6 out of 10, it was fine. I mean, it was mostly the punk stuff. Um, the TNT World title changed hands. That's kind of like the hardcore title back in WWF now at this point. It's just changing hands, like... Left and right, Wardlow was champion. What Hobbs was champion. Darby had it again. Like I don't know what's yeah. going on. Uh, but let's pivot to Dynamite. So CM Punk, they did confirm at Forbidden Door he's gonna face uh, Kojima. I, I the rumor is that Kenta pulled out of the match. I don't really know exactly what happened. We were gonna have GTS versus GTS pal, but now we've got Kojima versus CM Punk in a yeah. men's Owen Hart Cup tournament first round match. So we have that to look forward to. Um, and in the build-up for that, we did get a CM Punk appearance on Dynamite. So CM Punk, he came out. I believe it was the main event of Dynamite. We had just an absolute brawl erupt. No, it wasn't a backstage brawl. Uh, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, were not there because Philip Jack Brooks was in the building in Chicago. So those three guys stayed home. Um, so it was him, FTR, and uh, Ricky Starks. And they beat up the guns and uh, Jay White. And Juice Robinson, I guess they're the new Bullet Club. And CM Punk, he grabs a mic and he's like, I'm not even a Dynamite guy. I'm supposed to be on Collision. I thought that was like, I don't know, like inside baseball for the sake of inside baseball. Just like the inmates running the asylum. Just, you know, like, okay, like we got to have that line. We could have we, we lived without that line, but it's not the end of the world at the same time. 
Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I guess we're gonna see. Yeah, that's the direction. The Bullet Club versus Punk and FTR. I, I don't really know. They're, they're not really setting anything up for Punk. That's kind of the point I'm getting at here. They're not really setting anything up for Punk. So we don't know exactly what he's going to do. There's a lot of speculation. I kind of like that. I don't know. How, how do you feel? I mean, depends how you look at it. Because, yeah, as you say, there's the, the good side of that. Where you're going to watch more side. You're like, what, what is Punk going to do? What's he going to If he's kind of dabbling in a few different pots here, what's exactly is he going to do? So there is that. Which that's a positive. But then again, it can be argued that it's a bit directional. I don't know. We'll see. He's been back for like a week. So yeah, exactly. Before, if it, if they give it another month of him just doing like a bunch of different little things all over the show, then it'll be a bit like, okay, what's going on? What's happening with Phil? Uh, it seems, as I said, that an MJF storyline is where they're going to go after Forbidden Door. But then again, MJF's feuding with Adam Cole. So what's happening there? I don't know. Waits to be seen. And TK has too many toys in the toy box. Okay? I don't know which one to play with. So I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, Kevin, this Forbidden Door show, we addressed this a week two weeks ago in our podcast this is like the, the like this is what aw's made for basically it's a super great like match card for that audience who love new japan aw the style of wrestling who are just diehard wrestling fans this show is perfect for them the, the main matches are like dream fantasy matches it should be a really good like four hour night of wrestling i think or however long it'll go for so it has all that i do find the kenta thing funny I can imagine that it was pitched to him. GTS versus GTS. And he was like, nah, I'm good, thanks. Nah. But yeah, nah, so it should be good. That, I mean, that's a loss for Kenta, pal. That's a pay-per-view payoff that he lost True. out on. That's like, that's idiotic, bro. You're wrestling Philip Jack Brooks on an AEW pay-per-view. That's a, that's a big payday, but I, I digress. Good, continue. But I was just going to say, pal, you watch a fair bit of Dynamite, the main stuff. On your honest opinions... With what you've seen, obviously we've mentioned Forbidden Door, which is, yeah, like this weekend, but well, as of you listening to this, it would have been last week, but when it comes to you, Kevin, you watch AW, you followed most of that show, what did what did you think? What were your thoughts on the direction, any segments that stood out to you? Just talk to us. Oh yeah, there's one segment in particular that, that stood out to me, we're going to talk about that. So there was a segment for Chris Jericho, um, Sammy Guevara and Suzuki, they're calling out Sting and Darby Allen. And we got a match announced for Forbidden Door. We got Lei, Suzu- Lei Suzuki Gods. So that's the, the aforementioned team of Jericho, Guevara, and, and Suzuki. We're going to face Sting, Darby Allen, and a third man that will be revealed at Forbidden Door. Now just imagine, right? Picture this. You're in Forbidden Door in Toronto, Canada. You got, what, 12,000 people sitting there. Wrestling Gifts is there with his girlfriend. Wrestling Gifts is live in the audience. And we're getting the, the big reveal for who Sting and Darby Allen's partner is going to be. And, and, you know, we get a five, four, three, two. And then all you hear is dun, 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 when it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. And, and then we get Terry Belay marching down to the ring. He's the third man brother. He's pointing at, at Chris Jericho. You. And we get the big leg drop. <laughs> Kevin, people are going to hate that you even put that idea into the universe. People are going to be like, Kevin, shut up. Don't even dream about that. How Terry Belaya as the third man. And Kevin, on your honest thoughts on that, because Jericho and Sting is the main direction there. You mentioned the Macedonian Forbidden Door, but really the, the genesis of that is Jericho versus Sting. And I'll throw it back to you again. You watch the segment, the Jericho thing, and your just general thoughts. Chris Jericho, 64-year-old Steve Borden, 2023, they're feuding in AEW. Talk to us. So I have several issues with this. The first being, Sammy Guevara and uh, Darby Allen. we were just told for like six weeks that these guys are pillars of AEW, they're focal points of the show. And then this week, Darby Allen is relegated to gently walking behind Steve Borden as Steve Borden gingerly makes his way to the ring. And Sammy Guevara is relegated to standing behind Chris Jericho as Chris Jericho's calling out Steve Borden, calling him a whore. Chris Jericho literally called him a whore on live TV. Now, this is 2023. In theory, you would think the, the pillars 
Guevara and, uh, and Darby Allen would be the, the, the focal point of this. But instead, we've got, for whatever reason, Jericho and Sting out there. And it, it's Jericho and Sting right now, like, they're doing a six-man tag because the two guys are too old to do a one-on-one match. Like, that's just the reality. Sure Calling a spade a spade. What is going on, pal? The series hijacking the show. But, yeah. It, I mean, you got... Come on. Jericho Sting. Sting is 64, bro. Like, I, I, it's cool. We never got to see Jericho and Sting back in their prime at WCW. Like, it's cool to see that, but do we need to? I don't know. I mean, I don't want to hate on it because it's not really bad. But yeah, I just don't like the booking of like, okay, these guys are pillars and then they're standing behind legends who are too old to have a one-on-one match. So they have to be a fill-in instead of getting their own focal point on the show. Kevin, this goes back to the point we were making about 10, 15 minutes ago with AW's number two and really the everyone else that's not CM Punk, it's sort of all over the shop. It's as we, I mean, we've kind of talked about this for a while now, for years almost. It's whatever toy Tony Khan feels like plucking and having wave around. That's really what it is. Because CM Punk's the guy. He's the one you care about at the moment. Whatever Punk does is what we'll talk about. We'll, Kevin, we'll lead a show off for a late heat with what CM Punk's doing or Phil Brooks, whatever. We're not going to lead a show off with pretty much anything else as far as AW wrestlers, which says a lot. And you look at that, Darby Allen. He's Steve Borden's entourage. A month ago, he was in the co-main event of Double or Nothing against MJF for the AW World Championship. Sammy Guevara is in that same boat as well. A month ago, they're ramping up the, the four pillars. These are the, the future of AW, Kevin. These are the guys in AW. These are the stars. World Championship, Fatal 4-Way, Double or Nothing the fifth installment, the main co-main event. And now what? Now Sammy G's backslapping Chris Jericho as he prepares for his, his, I guess, retirement home clash with Steve Borden. Steve Borden getting himself warmed up, getting himself ready as Darby <laughs> Allen helps paint his face backstage. What is this? These two guys are your future, your pillars. And I guess your pillars are there to help support cracked, wrinkly, old, frail pillars in Sting and Jericho. I don't get it. I don't know. But this is the direction, I guess. It's not punk. It's not whatever he's involved in. So it's just sort of throw it at the wall. The match will be good at the pay-per-view. It'll book itself, whatever. That seems like the MO. I don't know. That's, that's, when I watched that, Kevin, I saw a bit of that segment as well. It, ridiculous. It's just like, okay, Jericho called Steve Borden a whore. Brilliant. Fantastic. 64-year-old Steve, Steve Borden is a promiscuous individual. Okay. Fantastic. Steve, Steve Borden at the retirement homes getting around. Great. And is this, is this what we're using? Is this storytelling, Kevin, in 2023? Chris Jericho, the guy who was the, the foundation piece, the first AW world champion ever, is calling a 64-year-old Steve Borden a whore a promiscuous individual on AEW's flagship program, AEW Dynamite. This is what Tony Khan is putting millions and millions of dollars into producing. Kevin, I'll throw back to you. With this being said, what are your excitement levels for Chris Jericho and Sting's feud with Sammy G, with Darby Allen, the pillars of AEW sat behind waiting in the wings can't get a spot because of these two. Because Jericho's calling Steve Borden, a 64-year-old man, a, quote, whore thoughts. I'm not going to harp on this too much because I already buried it enough. Yeah. So I'll say my excitement level is a flat 5 out of 10. I'm like like a 5 because it's Jericho and Sting and like the mystique yeah. and the aura of like two legends. But then the other half of me, that's like, if, if I showed this to like one of my friends, they'd be like, why am I watching this right now? Like, why is Chris Jericho still wrestling? Like, you know, you know what I mean? So that, that's like the whole thing. Uh, let's talk about the rest of Forbidden Door for just a moment. Yeah. I want to touch on two big matches that we have going on at that show. And that's Adam Cole versus Tom Lawler and Tony Storm versus Willow Nightingale. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Kenny Omega. <laughs> in, in, in all seriousness, uh, Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay and Brian Danielson versus Okada. Um, this card is going to be awesome. Is it worth paying $50 for? That's up to you to decide. Um, 
But it's, it's an awesome card. And those two matches in particular are big matches. And this is the kind of stuff that we wanted to see when AEW first became a thing four years ago. We wanted to see Okada in there. I think this is his first appearance in AEW. I, I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong. He might have appeared at Forbidden Door last year or an AEW house show in Daytona six years ago or when, whatever it was. So, um, Danielson versus Okada, talk to us. That match is, I talked about perfect for the AEW audience. It's just a, a big time match in the, just the sort of wrestling space, period. And the fact you got Brian Danielson involved, we know all he's done. Okada's Japan's biggest star the last really 10 years. And then you got Tanahashi on the show as well. He's wrestling MJF. That's just happening, I guess. You got MJF and Hiroshi Tanahashi for the AEW World Title. That's just happening. <laughs> and that'll be like, that'll be the match that gets about the fourth most buzz on this show, realistically. Yeah. Because Omega Osprey slash Brian Danielson and Okada will get like the most. They're like the, the two main events. And then you're going to have CM Punk's match which people are going to talk about because it's punk. And then MJF and Hiroshi. So there's that. Um, Kevin, then again, actually the third man match. Kevin, who's the third man? Is it going to be Terry Belaya? Is it going to be... Who is it? Is it going to be another surprise wrestler? Is Jeff Hardy going to run out there? Who knows? It's going to be Miro. Who knows what's going on? Like, it's going to be Miro. Is, is Ron Breaker going to run out there and be the third man? Is he going to bark at Chris Jericho? Is Chris Jericho going to call Bron Breaker a whore and Bron Breaker like goes, rawr, 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 rawr. like, what's going on? What's happening? But nonetheless, my thoughts on that match, it should be excellent. I know AW, I know how they book these things. They'll give that 30 minutes. They'll give Omega Osprey 30 minutes. They'll give MJF Tanahashi 25. The Punk match will get 15. All these matches will get a lot of time. This will be a long show, but each match will be excellent. It has, the, it has the makings of each match being excellent, particularly the main events. So that's my thoughts. It should be a pretty good event. I'm going to predict now, when you're listening to this, all our great listeners, this is after Forbidden Door has actually happened. We're recording this before. So I think the event will be praised as like an eight and a half, nine out of 10. One of the best pay-per-views of the decade. Absolutely. One of the best events. It'll be a big sort of, oh my God, it was incredible. The matches will be great, especially those main event ones. How that translates it, if, you show random Joe Blow this show will it be like the greatest, most captivating show. If they don't know half the people on it, I don't know. But for the people who do know what's going on, I'm sure it will be excellent. It'll probably be like an eight, eight and a half out of 10 shows. So that's my thoughts, Kevin. Anything more on Forbidden Door? Or do you want to slam that door and move on? Now let's talk about the evil E, pal. It's that time. Yep. All right. So, Mac Daddy, pal. Yes, sir. So on Monday Night Raw, we got it was actually live from Cleveland. We got a massive, just shocking, monumental announcement for Money in the Bank 2023. Logan Paul is headed to London, pal. Logan Paul received a special invitation. He's going to be in Money in the Bank. Logan Paul, he just, he declared that he's going to bring some winning to the city of Cleveland because, you know, LeBron James never brought them a title. So Logan Paul is going to be the only athlete to ever bring something to Cleveland in the last 50 years. So, yeah. Um, I can't believe he said that, too. Like, he literally said that in the promo. Like, LeBron doesn't exist. He's just like, I'm going to bring some weight to Cleveland. Like, what? But, yeah. I'll ask you this. Overall. Yeah. Hypothetically. And I think now Logan Paul is going to win the Money in the Bank. I, I think that's what's going to happen. Let's say hypothetically, though. Let's say he wins Money in the Bank. What, what do you think he can do with it? More importantly, can he save the concept? Because we've seen the Money in the Bank briefcase has been a joke for about four years now. Just... Comedy characters winning it, you know Otis, yeah. Austin Theory cashing in on U- on the U.S. Championship and losing. So, what what do you think we're gonna see if Logan Paul wins Money in the Bank? I still can't believe they did that with Austin Theory. I'll just get that out of it. That when you especially when you just say what happened, it's it's even it's even worse. But nonetheless, Logan Paul being in Money in the Bank for starters, just with this match, it saves my interest in the match because Kevin. I don't know about you, I did not care. Prior to Logan Paul announcing his entry, I looked at the field of guys in this match. Ricochet, Nakamura, Santos Escobar, Damian Priest, Butch, and LA Knight. I looked at that field and said, that's the worst Money in the Bank field ever. But now Logan Paul's involved. I mean, LA Knight's LA Knight. His, his presentation is always interesting to myself and a lot of people. So I care a bit more. So as far as the short-term immediate, 
I care more about the money in the bank match for the men. So that's a tick. Uh, the segment they did, I found hilarious, Kevin. I thought the Logan, his announcement was whatever. He's sitting on top of the ladder. I thought the lighting was good. That it was shot well, the presentation. He announces that the executives have spoken. They've chosen him. He's been handpicked to be in Money in the Bank. He's going to, yeah, bring winning to Cleveland, pal. Because LeBron James, I guess, was... He, he, LeBron won t- a title in Minnesota, I guess. It wasn't in Cleveland. I don't know. But nonetheless, the best part of that segment, I don't know if any of you caught this, when all the wrestlers are coming down, doing their, like, 30-second to a minute promo, no, I should win. Logan, you're not going to win. I'm going to win. Ha, 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 Ricochet. Ricochet's mic work needs, it still needs a lot of work. Yeah, it's not there yet. But Kevin, when Butch comes out, all guys are in the ring. Logan Paul's there. He's like, oh, now this guy's talking. This guy, Butch's music hits. Butch comes down. Logan Paul, it felt like the biggest shoes. I don't even know who that guy is. What's going on? He's just like, (laughs) and it makes you think about Logan Paul and the sort of status of him. Obviously, Logan Paul hasn't done the conventional wrestler route. He hasn't spent 10 years on the indies. He hasn't paved his way through years of arduous death matches in front of 25 people in a bingo hall. Logan Paul has got here through being a self-made social media star, extremely marketable, a slew of controversies, but that's really just, that's elevated him to this big name that he is today. So, and he's got him that way. And when he's, in, when he's in the ring, and he's doing his thing. I'm thinking, okay, LA Knight has the same posturing as Dwayne Johnson. Like, that's how he, st- he stands. LA Knight's copied all the Rock's mannerisms. He's studied them so clearly. You can tell by watching him. And it's great to watch. But the rest of these guys, Kevin, it's a smoke show circus of indie mid-carders. When Butch runs out there and you've got Logan Paul, I'm like, this is just... Logan Paul is so clear of Butch, for instance. The presentation, the... You know, when you're, when the feeling when you're watching. So that was a long-winded diversion answer, Kevin. But the whole point here, can Logan Paul save money in the bank? He'll probably save it for this year. I don't think long-term the concept can be saved. I'll get your thoughts on that in a moment. Can Logan Paul winning it and either feuding with Seth Rollins or Roman Reigns and potentially winning the title for the next couple months over the summer, can that save a concept that's been really ruined for the last decade? No, but it can... Bring it back to life, but it can give it a pulse, Kevin. Logan Paul can give Money in the Bank a pulse. So, over to you. Answer that question. Yeah, I think Logan Paul can temporarily revive it. I I think that's like the best way to, to put it. You know, yeah, we're not gonna see a a, a big time like Money in the Bank resurgence. I don't know if yeah. that's, that's that's in the cards, especially the way Triple H likes to book um, long term title reigns. But having Logan Paul here, at least for this year, at least for Money in the Bank twenty twenty three, saves the match. And quite frankly, saves the show. I mean, the card is, you know, it's pretty solid. You got Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor. You know, we've seen that. Uh, Cody versus Dominic. That's intriguing. Uh, the women's money in the bank is what it is. Trish Stratus is in there. That's cool. Um, you know, we have the Bloodline match. We have that stuff going on. So it, it's a pretty good card. But Logan Paul, I think, makes this card must-see now. I think he takes it from, like, okay, it's money in the bank. Oh, we got the Bloodline match. Like, yeah, it's cool. I'll check that out. But now it's like, now I got to see Logan Paul in the Money in the Bank. I got to see how he's going to perform. I got to see what kind of crazy stuff these, what, seven guys are going to put on. The yeah. crazy spots. You know, if we're going to get a big, big spot from Logan Paul. We're going to get a big spot from Damian Priest, the big guy doing big moves. You know, Ricochet. Santos Escobar, Ricochet, they're going to do crazy stuff. Uh, it, it's going to be really fun. Um, and I think it's going to be a really good Money in the Bank match. Potentially, this could be an all-time, in terms of in-ring quality, this could be an all-time great Money in the Bank match. You know, it may not be one that, that we look at and we're like, oh, wow, there's a lot of star power 10 years from now. We, we might not think that. But it's definitely going to be one that you that is going to be rewatchable, I think. Very highly rewatchable. It's going to be a good match. We're going to talk about that. We're going to review the whole show. So I'll save that. But Logan Paul, anytime he's on WWE TV, it is must-see. He is a star. He brings something that other wrestlers just don't bring to the table. He he doesn't bring the same thing that Roman Reigns brings, but it's close to it. You could argue that he's in the mix as WWE's like one of their most important stars. Honestly, if he's going to be a regular, if he's going to be doing Money in the Bank matches, if he's going to be doing Royal Rumbles, WrestleMania every year, he has to be looked at as one of the focal points of WWE. Am I wrong? One hundred percent. I I fully agree with you. I think from a focal point standpoint. Who are WWE's 
guys. Roman, Cody, Seth Rollins, Logan Paul. Like, he'd have to be on that level at this stage. When you look at his presentation and this, I like what you say there. He's made this money in the bank. I mean, the men's match and really the show. Because the, the show is going to be pretty good regardless. This bloodline civil war. Cody and Dom will be pretty good. Rollins and Finn Balor will have a good match. And the women's main bank match will be at least decent. But Logan Paul being in this men's match, that, that changes the complexion of the whole event. And we'll discuss Money in the Bank specifically more in the preview next week, or well, for you listeners later this week. And there's a lot to discuss there. But generally, to answer the question, yeah, Logan Paul is in that top rung of guys. He is one of those guys who can make a match more interesting just by his presence, which is a big thing. It's a big deal. Logan Paul announcing himself into this match has made me at least go from, I couldn't care less about money in the bank, don't even do the men's match, retire the concept, I'm done, to, hey, yo, this should, be, this should slap. Like, it's amazing how one guy entering the match can change it so much. So, yeah, no, it, it should be really good. This match is going to be insane as well. We want, we'll do a more of a preview in our money in the bank preview, but the guys involved... I expect a priest to do like a razor's edge or a guy, like the, there's the ladder and then the guy's arms are like through the ladder and he throws the person. They just land like on the ladder like that. Something like that. You know, Ricochet will do his 720 off the top of the ladder onto all the wrestlers. Logan will do something ridiculous. But he'll probably run up the ladder like a Sheldon Benjamin then do a big dive onto everyone on the outside. And there's going to be a heap of nut spots. There's going to be a bunch of social media viral spots which you're going to watch and go, that really, wow. I reckon they're going to do things we've never seen before, which is a testament because we're in 2023, Kevin. It feels like we've seen everything. But I think these guys in this match will do things we've never seen on the main stage. So, yeah, it should be really good. I'm now looking forward to it because of Logan Paul. And, um, yeah, that's all we can really say. Yeah, yeah well, maybe we'll get a prime bottle out there. Um, but I, I digress. So let's talk about the Bloodline stuff from SmackDown. Yep. But what did you think of that whole segment with, with the Usos, you know, turning their back on their cousin, Joe Inouye. What I will say is the Bloodline segments the last month have really picked up. Now, after WrestleMania, I was very vocal in my criticisms about Roman Reigns sitting at home with titles. He's not even there. WTF is this? Cody should have won. Now... With these Bloodline segments, there was the big Roman 1000 segment where Roman was gifted the hot mustard title, as you described. And then there was a really heated personal family segment involving, you know, Jay, Jimmy, Solo, Heyman. Then there was the segment on SmackDown last week. Now, the segment we're referring to is one where the Usos, Jay Uso has to make his decision, where Joshua has to decide, is he going to stick with Jonathan? So Jimmy Uso, or is he going to go with Joseph Anawaii, Roman Reigns? Like, what's he going to do? So this segment was great. Roman, he is the best. Him and Cody are the best kayfabe promos in wrestling in that they can stick purely in the the realm of fake scripted storyline and make you really compelled. One thing with Punk and AEW and MJF and all these wrestlers beforehand, I feel like a lot of them need to break the fourth wall to have it truly be compelling which isn't a good thing. Roman Reigns, they can tell this family kayfabe storyline and it can be super compelling. Roman Reigns taking shots at Joe Uso and the upbringing, some of the lines he does about, you know, the title defenses, how, you know, you, you know, just you need to watch these Roman Reigns segments, these promos, the things he's saying, the way he delivers it. His delivery is excellent. He's a Hollywood delivery. It's, it's like the presentation, the aura. Very few guys have that in wrestling because wrestling's just like a small thing. Hollywood's a bigger stage. So Reigns has that delivery, and he's ready to go to Hollywood whenever. He really is. I love the acting as well. Jey Uso, Kevin, if I had a dollar for the amount of times in the last month, two months, two years, four years, where Jey Uso has done the like, where he's looking really, he's looking emotional and he's trying to, you know, gather. He's had so much practice at doing that. So now when he, he like, you know, snaps, it's this big thing, and he, He's, they super kick Roman Reigns, and it, you thought he's going to turn his back on Jimmy, but no, he turns his back on Joe and Hawaii and Solo Sokoa. So, yeah, the Usos are going to steam into Money in the Bank. Will they win the match? Who knows? We'll discuss that more in the preview. But, yeah, Kevin, my thoughts on this Bloodline segment, one of the better ones this year. Uh, 
Kevin, I'll, one more thing I'll say before you go. Those bloodline segments, especially when Reigns was off TV, when it was Kevin Owens yelling at Jey Uso, when Reigns was off TV, when it was at that stage, I'm like, okay, either end the storyline or do something with Roman. It got to a bit of a, a breaking point, but they've gone to do stuff with Roman. It's ramped up into another gear. Full credit to this. This has been excellent, especially the last month. So, yeah, that's my thoughts. What do you think, Cal? Yeah, this is good stuff. I, I like how Jey Uso finds himself in the middle of the whole thing again. It, yep. It's like a different iteration of the 2020 storyline that we saw. Uh, I, I thought this one was going to be more Jimmy-centric. Mm. And I, maybe it'll get there at some point. But I really like, like you said, the, just to touch on you, what you said, Roman's delivery is top-notch. But Roman, he just... And I think part of it's real. I think there's Samoan family stuff. I think there's some realism to that. I think they they take the 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 the, uh, the tribe and the, the lineage. I think they take that very seriously. So it's it's not really. It's just them turned up to to ten for TV. Yes. Um, and Roman is so good. He's he's become like night and day. It, it it's just it's unbelievable. The the storyline arc, or the real life arc of Roman Reigns, the person becoming this like master class of promo work and storytelling on the microphone is really unlike anything we've ever seen before it's it's really he's done a complete 360 in in, t- in terms of who he was and who he is now it's truly remarkable to watch and, and this is one of those segments that people are going to be talking about in five to ten years time you know it's going to be one of those it, it's just like another one they, they just keep doing it and they could do this storyline for another year, realistically. And they could keep people intrigued. They could keep people on the edge of their seat. Um, I, I thought the super kick was amazing, the double super kick. Roman sold that like he had just been shot. Like, like you think Roman just got shot in the shoulder or something, the way he sold that. And then he gets up, he's fuming, he's holding his face. It's unbelievable. It's really just, it's great stuff. And the fact that he's yeah. like, they just did that to me? The tribal chief? Roman? Yeah. They just kick me? It's like, it's just, it's so cool. Uh, Paul Heyman adds a little extra element too. If you if you could just like, go back and watch this segment and just watch Paul Heyman, don't watch anything else. You'll see a roller coaster of emotions. One, one moment he's smiling, he's laughing, he's like, yeah, that's my tribal chief. The next moment he's about to cry. The next moment he's angry, turning red. And it's, it's just, he's another one that's incredible. He's like, it's just a background character that's doing pretty well. Go ahead, pal. And further to that point, to build on it, what makes this so good? And people, especially when this storyline, once it's wrapped up in maybe a year or two years and everyone has retrospectives and the deep dive, the breakdowns, and Superkick Studios releases an hour and a half bloodline storyline documentary, which gets 500,000 views. Once this happens in two years, why, why was it so great? And it's because... When you're watching it, as you talk about with Paul Heyman's facial expressions, it feels like every line, everything that's being said, everything you see on screen matters to the storyline. It matters to one character or another. If Roman Reigns gives X title, if he gives one of his belts to Solo, but he looks away, it's seen as dismissive. And then Solo's character can then respond to that. How does Solo take being disrespected? Will he do something? Paul Heyman, how will he react to that? Jay and Jimmy Uso, well, they've seen this before. This is all Roman's done to them for three years. One little action, and you get so much different, you know, variation in each character. It, it's masterful. And Paul Heyman, I love that you brought that up. That's that's brilliant. Yeah, Heyman's facial expressions. He makes everything seem like, oh my god, oh my god. So like when you've got viewers at home who watch it, and then they're they're more into it because of it. Because Paul Heyman himself. When Roman says something that's really personal about Jey Uso, about the upbringing or how he's not welcome back in the tribe because of his behavior or his actions. And Paul Heyman's like, he's like smiling, he's looking all like dastardly. And then Jey Uso says something negative about Roman and Paul Heyman like freaks out. He's like, my tribal chief, I would never say that. He's like, you know, he's having like a high spiking heart attack almost. And then Jimmy Uso is, his character now is that he's, he's seen the light and he's, Got, he's gunning for Roman's throat and he's saying really personal stuff and I've had enough of you Oos, and I'm done and I'm sick of you blackmailing him and him and whatever and Paul Heyman's just like he's about to cry and he looks like oh my god oh my god 
Yeah, it's it is brilliant stuff. So yeah, that, that's probably that's real quick why the storyline is so great. It's because everything feels like it matters. When a lot of storylines, it really doesn't. Like Kevin, when I'm watching Monday Night Raw, and you've got Ricochet getting punched by Bronson Reed at ringside as Nakamura is sitting next to Corey Graves, and what's his face? Who's who's the Raw announcer? The the one who has the Scottish accent. Um, Whoever. I can't remember. Kevin his name. Patrick. Kevin Patrick. Yes. Think, yeah. When Kevin Patrick's trying to make Bronson Reed and Nakamura punching each other with Ricochet at ringside seem like a big deal. I'm watching it going, I just, there's no reason for me to care. But when you watch this, and they give you a plethora of reasons to care. Heyman's acting, Rain, Solo, Jay, Jimmy, the dynamic between the bunch. When will Cody get involved? Ha- um, Zane, Owens, who's feuding with them next? Well, what's going on? It's so much to it. So, Kevin, I guess I'll throw the question to you. In a year or two, whenever this ends, who knows? The... I guess I was asking you this just for a fun question now. You can answer. Feel free. You want to dodge the question, go for it. What's the main thing you feel like you remember the Bloodline storyline for? What will be the legacy of this storyline, do you think? That is a great question. Wow. Um, honestly, I think the legacy would be the turnaround of Roman Reigns. I, I think that's what people will, will remember most. It's always going to be like, wow, this guy, because everybody hated him in 2018. He's getting booed out of the building everywhere. He's the the worst babyface of all time, arguably. And then it's like in 2023, it's like this guy is just the best thing going in wrestling. And I, I think that'll always be the biggest talking point. What, what do you think? Well, before I answer that, I'll say this. Austin Theory needs to study what Roman Reigns has done. Look at everything he's done, how he did it. Because in many ways... They're very similar. Theory, especially nowadays, it feels like Roman Reigns, i.e. 2015 through like early 2018, just so forced, inorganic, disingenuous. Fans aren't buying a bar of it. If I'm lost in theory, I'm having trying to get long conversations with Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman. What do I need to do? You're in a similar position. How did you fix it? All this sort of thing. Because a guy like Theory... Well, as I said, in basically the same boat Reigns was five, six, seven, eight years ago. And now look where Roman is. One of the greatest runs of the modern era, one of the greatest runs of all time, legendary world championship reign, a storyline that three years in, we're still talking about as one of the main things in wrestling. This isn't stale. This isn't something which we're bored of. It's not like, okay, we get the point, get it over with. It's It keeps fresh. It keeps interesting. So a guy like Theory, and there are a couple of others who – Maybe not to theory's extent, but a couple of others are in a similar sort of boat. Study this. Look at this. Wrestlers coming up. How's Roman doing this? What's he doing that makes this so good for a few years? Look at his acting, his mannerisms, how he delivers, all this. This is going to be studied for many years as how in modern wrestling, in the social media day and age, to make a storyline compelling and gripping. So, Kevin, I don't even remember what the question was you asked, but yeah, there you go. There it is, pal. All right, so now let, let's. Uh, you want to move on to the. Uh, what are we gonna name this segment? Yeah, have we got we come up with a name yet? Uh, I don't know, but the feedback's been good actually. I, I've had a. Well, I've seen comments on YouTube and just generally the feedback that you guys enjoy this part of the show. It's a good element to the show, so appreciate that, Kevin. This is all your idea, I must say. Uh, yes. I take no credit of this. This is you, you pitched this initially, and I was like, yeah, we'll give it a go, and it turns out to be a good part of the show. So, Kevin. That being said, is there something where you want to start us off? Because I've got a question I want to ask you. Sure, sure, sure. Go ahead, ask me. So this is still on the wrestling front. I've never heard your answer to this. So as we know, Kevin, wrestling isn't real. It's not MMA. It's not a legitimate fight sport where you never know. It's unpredictable and it's unscripted. Kevin, when and how did you find out wrestling was predetermined, scripted, whatever word you want to use. How did you find out? Because my story with that is pretty ridiculous. I guess I'll throw it to you. Uh, do you have any, any fun story with that? Or was it was a pretty mundane how you found out. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have like a, like a funny story to it. I, I just remember oh. watching wrestling a lot as a kid. Yeah. Um, and like my, my oldest, like one of my older brothers, probably my oldest brother would be like, oh, you know, that's fake, right? Okay. And, I, and I was like, I don't even know what that means. Like, okay, yeah eight years old like yeah sure 
I, I always, as far as I remember, I never looked at wrestling as like a real sport. I always looked at it as like entertainment. So yeah, and not, nah. not the juiciest story, pal. But I want to hear your ridiculous story. Oh, you'll love this. So it's it's twenty. It's late twenty eleven. I've just started watching. I'm eight. Uh, I'm watching the WWE Experience. It's as we've discussed, and as you all know, it's Cena, it's Punk, it's Triple H being the CEO, it's WWE Walkouts, it's Awesome Truth, all that good stuff. I'm watching for a few months. Kane comes back, and that was like the embrace the hate Kane. That was when he's back with the mask. He's done being shirtless. You know, Gino Glenn Jacobs. He put he's put the the, the tits away. And I'm watching it thinking, wait, this is The Undertaker's brother? Like, I was confused. I was, I was, like, looking at it. I'm like, how is Kane and The Undertaker brothers? So I went to their Wikipedias, and I saw the age difference. Mark Calloway is, what, 58 now. So at the time, he was, like, 47. And Glenn Jacobs is, like, two, three years younger. I'm like, okay, they're brothers, I guess. Cool. Kane and The Undertaker are brothers. Cool. Paul Bearer's the father? What? And I looked at Paul Bearer's age, and Paul Bearer was like four years older than The Undertaker, uh, according to that. And I was like, I'm so confused. What's happening? That can't be real. Paul Bearer had The Undertaker as a kid when he was like five. What's going on? I was so confused. I'm like, oh, this isn't real, is it? And I had this like realization, like an eight-year-old me sitting at a computer on the Wikipedia of Paul Bearer and The Undertaker. And I realized, oh, maybe what I'm being told isn't 100% true. <laughs> maybe Paul Bearer isn't okay. So I just think that's a fun story to share because I don't know. I feel like everyone has a story of how they found out that it isn't real. It's predetermined. That was mine. I'm like, okay, maybe this isn't fully real. And then I was watching it. And that week, Kevin, on Monday Night Raw, the big segment was Kane dragging Zack Ryder. He ripped the ring open. The, the ring was like a, it's like a vessel to hell. Kane was ripping Zack Ryder down. Zack Ryder, like, fires, fires blasting out of the ring. Zack Ryder's like, ah! And Cena's, like, clinging onto him. Super Cena. I was watching it going, yeah, maybe this isn't, like, real, real. I don't know. Something about this. This is a bit, yeah. And then the week after, Kane pushed Zack Ryder, who's in, like, four neck braces in a wheelchair off the stage. And I was like, okay, this, yeah, this, something's up here. But I don't know. Kevin, that's my story. I wanted to share that. I want your thoughts. Do you have any thoughts on that? I just like, wow. I love that. It's great that you bring this up because I don't know if you saw that tweet that went viral about Kane and The Undertaker. Did did you see that? I did not know. What what was it? So there was, you know, these questions that show up on Twitter. Somebody asked, what's the biggest lie you've ever been told? And it's like, it was someone that doesn't have wrestling, that's not in wrestling Twitter, like someone that's like just Twitter famous for whatever they do. And they tweeted, oh, the the fact that, or no, yeah, the fact that Kane and Undertaker were brothers. That, that was oh, like, actually, like I did say that, yeah, yeah. That yeah. made it be on Twitter. I saw that, yeah. Yeah, it made it's like Instagram, TikTok. It went crazy, and I was just thinking, like, yeah, that's so funny because, like, like we all believed that as a kid. Everybody, every kid that watched wrestling, like, pretty much, which is pretty much every kid from that's like in our age range, we all believed that Kane and Undertaker were brothers. It was just like, yeah, these guys are brothers, <laughs> and then nobody questioned it. You know, nobody ever questioned it, and then you're like 15, 16, you're like, oh wait, they're not actually brothers. Okay. Or however old, you know, 12, whoever, yeah. however old you were. But at some point you realize that Kane and Undertaker are brothers. Like, damn, I've been lied to my whole life. It's yeah. so funny. And Paul, that, like, Bear, and Paul Bear is like two years older than both of them. It's like, oh, like what? Okay. Yeah. It's so <laughs> oh. funny how, how many people like believe that, you know? Pretty, It's pretty nuts. No, it, it's good stuff. And yeah, I thought, yeah, fun story to share. It would be. Um, and then, yeah, is there any other sort of discussion you want to have? Do you want to go down a sports rabbit hole? Do you want to go down a general day-to-day life rabbit hole? Where do you want to go with it from here? We got to find it. We got to figure out a name. That That's definitely something we got to figure out. I want to ask you about investing. Mm-hmm. Talk about investing. Are you a crypto guy? No. Have you ever had crypto? No. You ever tried it? I'm not. No, I, I'm more, I'd more be into well, stonks general stocks more so like that's that'd be my rabbit hole uh, i've dabbled in but I'm not, I'm not like a crypto guy no i'm not i'm not into logan paul's crypto pump and dump scams pal what about you uh, i i tried it for a little bit like a couple of years back it's, it's so time consuming it's like gambling it's not really like investing it's more like gambling there's a few you know there's bitcoin and there's uh dogecoin and there's like one or two others that are like 
more safe and it's something you can bet in you can bet on for like or not bet on but you can invest in, invest in yeah. long term um, and then the rest of it is pretty much gambling you're just going to gamble like when this whatever coin that came from Taiwan or whatever country is going to blow up and it'll be worth five times or 20 times more than what you paid for it you just have to kind of gamble and predict that and I guess yeah. a lot of that there's a lot of that in the stock market as well but the stock market has it just has more liquid liquidity behind it mm-hmm. would probably be the best way to say it there's apple you know there's nike there's meta there's amazon all these big companies yeah these big organizations yeah yeah there's yeah, just yeah. not enough of that in the crypto world so it was kind of a dangerous game it was no different than like betting on sports or like playing poker or blackjack in a lot of ways well, I like it. But it's so volatile. That's the other thing. Like, I, I was like, I, was, I studied this. I'm like, is, is there like general opportunity here? Like, what's the go? So I looked into it, and yeah, like you, you look at the graphs of crypto coins or whatever crypto things generally, and it's like this. It's like it's like that. It's like the thing. It's like a like a car <laughs> that's having a, a seizure, like a stroke. It's like the it's doing this on the graph. And one moment it's worth a bunch, and then it's down. Blah, blah, blah. Whereas generally with stocks, unless you know, a big announcement's made with a company and something goes down or really far up. Generally, it's more like that. And it like goes like a bit like this. And maybe over time, if you give like two, three years for most companies, assuming the market doesn't crash and Biden takes over again, it uh-oh, goes like uh-oh. this generally. So yeah, there you go. So that, you know, it just it feels much safer. It's not, it's not Logan Paul promoting NFT pump and dump scams. So yeah. Do you remember okay. the GameStop, uh, the GameStop stock debacle? Uh, I remember hearing of that. What was that one again? It was just like, it got started on like Reddit or yeah. something, some other forum. Everybody's just like, hey, let's go buy a bunch of GameStop stock and let's, let's just ruin their, their stock. Let's just ruin that company. People just started buying a bunch of GameStop stock. And if you did it like first, then when, once the stock went up, it went up like whatever, like three, four hundred percent, whatever the number was, you could sell your stock. <laughs> And it, it really, really messed up the market for a little bit. They had yeah. to get like, uh, like hedge fund billionaires, kind of to invest in like kind of, what, uh, restabilizing the market. Yeah, it really changed things in a lot of ways. But it was like one of those pandemic era things. And it, like I remember people like on on like Wall Street and like MSNBC, they were like, "Oh my God, this is the end. This is the end of the stock market as we know it." And the stock market has thrived. But I don't know. Like in, investing is like. It's tough, man. I, I I want to get into it in some way, shape, or form. I just don't know what I want to do. Yeah. Well, I, I have a friend who literally day trades. That's his thing. Like, he's yeah. just always been good at it. And I, I, I was like, how are you so good? Like, how do you get it? Like, how do you know, okay, th- this one, and more often than not, he has, like, success with stocks and, like, short sort of turnarounds. And it, it, it's, 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 like, an innate, it, it's, a, it's a real skill. It's a real skill. So, yeah, there's, there is that. Can I want to, you bought one. So Kevin, you were saying about sports gambling. You mentioned that how crypto it's like similar. I want a quick question to you: Have you had any success with like a sports gambling before, or is that like usually misses, or do you get hits on that? Like, what's your win loss? Would you say I've had a ton of success, you know, and not yeah. not great success, but I've had a ton of success. Um, what I would do is I would you know I'd, I'd put like a few bucks in the account, every like twenty thirty dollars. And then I would turn that into like five hundred thousand based off winning. I'd bet on baseball games or hockey, football, whatever, soccer, whatever, whatever's on. Um, and I remember like last year, it was like it was um, around Cinco de Mayo, so that's uh, that's May fifth. It's a holiday here. Are you familiar with that? Does that make it make Never it to Australia? Okay. No clue. So it's uh, it's I, the Mex. I believe I don't want to be misquoting. It's the Mexican Independence Day. I'm pretty sure. So it's a big day here in the United States. Basically, it's an excuse for everybody to go get drunk and tacos and like celebrate the Mexican culture. And it's uh, so either way, Canelo Alvarez was fighting the the Mexican boxer. They have him, they have a fight every year on Cinco de Mayo. And I had put like I had like six seven hundred bucks in my account, my betting account, and I put all that on Canelo, all of it. Because Canelo was fighting like this guy who nobody ever heard of. He was like a minus four hundred favorite, and he lost. And I was watching him lose. I was at a bar, 
watching him lose. Like I was like three, it was like three or four rounds in. And I was like, oh my god, he's gonna lose. This guy is better than him. Not better than him, but this guy's just bigger than him. And I was like, wow. I'm watching it just my money just slowly slip away. It was that was a long night. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's a horror story, that. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah, that was hell. That, that was when I was like, okay, I gotta slow down. Gotta, gotta take it take it easy. Pal, the last decade, if you've wanted a surefire, easy way to make money, you just you just bet on whoever the Knicks are playing. Bet on whoever the Knicks are playing to win, bet on the Knicks to lose. Bang. There you go. Bang. Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry. But but I've had some crazy successes. Like I've turned like five hundred yeah. bucks into like I mean I've turned five bucks into like five hundred games and yeah you know so i, I yeah you, you take some and you lose some is what it well, is i have a friend who, who who's literally done that but to like another level like they're one of those people there are jokes about these sort of people who are betting on like japanese league hockey games or oh, like yeah. these obscure random sports which are like gold mines if you really look into it yes and you can just make so much and it got to the point where the betting company who were running the account basically like froze his account because he was making too much money. Huh. Like he, it was like he turned like five dollars into like well, nine thousand in about two weeks. One of these type of situations Ooh. where it was like you know you have like three different bets going. You're you're watching the lacrosse in Belgium and then you're watching the 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 wheelchair rugby in G- like Germany and this like random obscure stuff and just the the, the money skyrocketing and they didn't they didn't give him the money. It, it, it was I think. I, I'm like, you could take them to court probably over that. Like, you can't legally do that, but yeah, it's pretty nuts. I love that. Yeah, I have a friend who does that too. He's, he's, he's like, one time he texted me like four in the morning. I saw it I saw it when I woke up the next day and I was like, bro, what, what are you doing watching like Japanese air hockey? Or he was like betting on like rugby, <laughs> not air hockey, but Japanese hockey or like rugby or something. I was like, what, what are you doing, bro? I know. You're watching like third division Japanese, like under 21s rugby it's like what's going on what's happening what are you doing it's 3 a.m go to bed let's do a quick minute on baseball pal yeah so your arizona diamondbacks yes are a top five team in the mlb right now what's your honest thoughts on that pal pal i i love the diamondbacks and for those of you who don't know i've been a fan of them for probably about two three years i've been shamed for it they've been it's been like a bit of a rebuild retool sort of phase of the diamondbacks and they've come out really the other side. And, I mean, you talk about that top five. Kevin, they're coming for the World Series. This is a team who's playing some damn good baseball. I like the depth of the squad. I like the way they're playing. I think this team can make some noise come playoffs. Yeah, pal, can you name me one uh, five players on the Diamondbacks roster without looking yeah, it up? So Kevin, I'll look at the Diamondbacks without looking it up. team. Without looking good, it up. So. Without looking well, it sorry? up. You can't look it up. No, no, pal. Firstly, you're Colin Carroll. I know you're okay. looking it up. Damn good center fielder. I know you're he, looking it up. He's the heart and soul of the, the I know you're, I know you're looking it up, pal. I'm not. I, Kevin, you're no proof. Where's your proof? Where's I, I, your proof? I heard you I'll typing. I like Zach Allen. I heard Amazing you typing. Pitcher, lethal I heard arm. you typing. Kevin, his arm is just lethal. Zach Allen, what a G. And then I look at a guy like Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Phenomenal left fielder. Okay. This guy makes left fielding seem like child's play. He makes left fielding seem like breathing, all right? Then a guy like Jake McCarthy in the center field, Alec Thomas, Kevin, that's five right there. I can name you the whole squad. I'm not oh, being yeah. a fan, but oh, yeah. the whole point here, Ridiculous. this team's going to make some noise. This is a team you don't want to F with come the postseason. <laughs> we are the Arizona friggin' Diamondbacks, all right? You know, distress- Kevin, the Phoenix Suns are making a disgrace of Arizona with paying $45 million of Bradley Beal they don't need. That's a disgrace to Arizona. The Diamondbacks, that's where it's at, Kevin. So, there you go. Diamondbacks are the pride and joy of Arizona, pal? Kevin, the Diamondbacks might be one of the best teams MLB's ever seen. Pal, when was the last time the Diamondbacks won a World Series? Kevin, do you know? before I answer that, let me say this. The Diamondbacks, you've hit this to this team, this 2023 team against the 1990s Yankees who are on steroids and all that. You've you faced them off against each other. Kevin, the Diamondbacks are winning every time. Okay? The Diamondbacks are that good a franchise. They they can win it all, Kevin. And do you want to know when they won the World Series? I can tell you that now, pal. No, it's funny that you mentioned the Yankees because 
they actually um they, they actually were the ones that ended the Yankees dynasty, that nineties dynasty. See? I was, I told you that. Hilarious. In 2001, they won. They ended the Yankees dynasty. Kevin, I know more about sports than anyone, pal. Oh, yeah? Oh, my God. That is too funny. Pal, anyone who knows anything about sports knows that the NBA with Jokic is the best player. Is, it's not a good NBA, but nonetheless. Oh, that is too funny. All right, I wanna, let's, do, let's do another baseball minute here. So, yes. or continue on this baseball minute. Yep. So, um... Uh, th- this is what this this is for Brian. Uh, we're, we're gonna talk about this one for Brian. I know I know he's watching. So uh, I I sent uh, JTE a video about Max Scherzer, like about a month ago, and uh, and you were not impressed with Max Scherzer, pal. I, I I got I got the impression that that you were not impressed with him, and and how tough of a man he is, pal. That that is a Mets icon. How could you disrespect Max Scherzer, pal? Okay, pal. I remember this. You sent me the video. You're like, have you watched it yet? Have you watched it yet? I'm like, no. Then I watched it. I'm like, fair play. This dude's, this dude's a G. He's, he's, a, he's a tough one, this guy. But then, Kevin, I thought this. I was watching it going, okay, he's good, but he can't hold a candle to my Diamondbacks. My Diamondbacks are better than him. They're better than the Mets. They're better than the prime Yankees. They're better than all of them. All right? My Diamondbacks... They don't play this sabermetricians baseball. They're not they're not an analytics team, Kevin. The Diamondbacks are a real baseball franchise. They play real gritty ball, pal. I know, what, what, uh, define that. What is what is real gritty baseball? Define the skill and the pal, approach that it takes. Let's move to the next topic. <laughs> oh man. No, 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 I want to talk to Mets for a moment though. I just I, yeah. I got to air out some <laughs> some grievances, pal. This, yeah, this, stuff, this Mets team is quite frankly disgusting. Yep. This is just brutally just. My, I want to cut my eyes out sometimes watching this team play. Their payroll is like north of three hundred million dollars for this season. They've got like at least what like eight players making over twenty million dollars. I don't even know if that's ever happened before in baseball, except for like the Steinbrenner Yankees. There's this team is the most expensive team in the history of sports not just baseball any sport maybe uh in um miami fc i think that is it that or inner miami the team that signed yeah, messi. They've signed messi so yeah. yeah yeah they're gonna sign messi they're gonna sign like d marie and, and some other icons of, of the football world so they, they might pass the mets at some point as the most expensive team but in team sports this mets team is the most expensive team in the big four sports ever assembled and, and they they they're what, like ten games under five hundred, bro. Your team, like, this, this team, Kevin. I'm gonna read the standings right now. The Mets are thirty four and forty. They are six games below five hundred with the most expensive team ever in baseball. Just about that is outrageous. Then you'll get a team like my Diamondbacks, sixteen games over five hundred. We're, we're we're good at home. We're good away. Form the last ten, eh? But that's not the point, Kevin. The point is, the Mets are in the bin. Kevin, should the Mets blow it up, rebuild, trade, the, get rid of the players, get draft picks, get players from Japan? What should they do, pal? How, how do they negotiate this, pal? Actually, they signed a player from Japan in the offseason. It was supposed to be this yeah. big pitching acquisition. Throws the ghost fork ball. How's uh, that turned out for you? How's that work? He's not really making much of a difference. Uh, the, the pitching staff is awful. <laughs> The, the the starting rotation is captained by by it might as well be the Jericho and Sting of MLB. That these guys that have passed their prime. That every oh, single Sting's Mets a fan. Whore. Sting's a whore. Forget about him. Carry on. Yeah, every single Mets fan is telling me that Scherzer and Justin Verlander have something left in the tank. I, I don't know what that something is. They're both they're both about to hit forty. Their their best days are way behind them. They're they're like nine years removed from their prime. And I'm still being told, no, these guys, they're aces, they're aces, they're worth the money. Like, no, no, they're not. We got to do what the Astros do. We got to get pitching somehow, some way in the farm system. Get someone out there that knows what they're doing. Maybe hire somebody from the Astros. They develop pitchers better than anybody in the history of baseball. Hire somebody from their organization. Bring them in. Start developing pitchers. Stop, stop throwing money at these old guys, these dinosaurs. 
that, that, that can't go anymore. But I, I digress. And I, I'm going to give you a brutal assessment on your Diamondbacks right now. Yeah, go for it. The, uh, the, right now, they're 46 and 30, 16 games over 500. But they're 4 and 10, in the, or what would you say, 4 and 6 in the last 10? In the last 10 five, games? They're 5 and 5. They're, they're 500, pal. They're 500. Okay, that's not a Not bad. good enough for a team this great, but anyway. Yeah, not really a big deal. But they're, I mean, it's in the, it's in the analytics, pal. Their run differential, their run differential's not great. It's hinting that they're playing better than, you know, they're playing better than their talent is. Um, by the end of the season, the Dodgers and the Giants will have a better record than them. The Diamondbacks will probably round out. Maybe they'll win like 80, 85 games, you know, maybe 85, 86 games. Just, just keep it a real pal. That's what we do here. Um, Kevin, Kevin, you're, you're talking about talent is overperforming. You just talked about how your Mets, the great talent is way underperforming. Yes, correct. And you have the nerve to yeah. slight my Diamondbacks. Kevin, a year, two years ago... We were the laughing stock of the MLB. We were one of the worst franchises. Oh, no, let me cut you off. I should have said talent is underperforming with the Mets. They're overpaid. Okay. Overpaid. That's overpaid and underperforming. As I was saying, yeah. now you look at the MLB, Kevin, on your ruthless thoughts, as someone in me who, I follow Diamondbacks game. I start to like, you know, all hours of the morning to watch replays of Diamondbacks games. Sure, but yeah. When I look at the other franchises, Talk to us, how are the Athletics and the Royals so bad? Like, well, uh, the Athletics, they've been good. They've been pretty much, they've been pretty good, like, pretty much all my life. Um, but the city's quit on them. The city, the, the city wants them out. They're, they're, they're in the move to Vegas. They're in the process of moving to Vegas, relocating. Mm -hmm. Um, they're just, like, trading away all their players. The front office doesn't care anymore. They know they're going to get fired once they go to Vegas. So they're trading away all their players. Um, the attendance is at a record low. There were literally rats in the stadium. There were rats in the commentary booth. Uh, uh, the Oakland Athletics are struggling while, uh, majorly. Yeah. Um, and the Kansas City Royals, they're just cheap. They had a great team. They won yep. the World Series eight years ago. I believe they went yeah. to back-to-back -back World Series, if I'm not mistaken. And they were contenders for a number of years, but they just didn't want to keep their players. They traded them all away because they were cheap. Yep. The Athletics, oh, uh, yeah, Athletics is a sad story, pal. But yeah, are you ready to get out of here, pal? Anything else you want to say? Uh, yeah, th th that was the main sort of conversation. I just wanted to yeah, discuss a bit of baseball because, you know, like it, baseball was my go-to. Like, if you're going to ask me about a sport, it is baseball. Okay, I, I just love a good old-fashioned game of just, just baseball. Good old-fashioned game of ball, pal. Just get the glove out. Whack that bad boy. Oh, got it. Like, it's great stuff. So, there you go, pal. Any other thoughts? Or are you out of here? All right. We'll, we'll, text, we'll talk to you guys on the next one. Please, five-star reviews on Spotify. Keep them coming. You're all beautiful people. And we'll talk to you on the next one.